This could be the beginning of the end for the human race. For what men first thought were meteors or the often ridiculed flying saucers are in reality the flaming vanguard of the invasion from Mars. Lieutenant, look! Hello and welcome to the second episode of First Strike, a podcast dedicated to DC Comics' invasion crossover from 1988 for the duration, Two Lonely Hearts with you, Siskoid and Bass. Hey! And on this podcast, we talk about invasion. Or, like we like to call it, invasion! Invasion! Exclamation point. The event, its impact, and we cover every comic it crossed into. Uh, So today, it really begins. It really begins. I'm really excited about this. With an 80-page giant issue... No ads, Invasion Number 1, subtitled The Alien Alliance. The Alien Alliance. Uh, and to give you the credits for this thing, uh, it plot and breakdowns by Keith Giffen. So Keith Giffen really uses, we'll see, uses things he's used in his career before. He will use, for example, he worked on Omega Men. He'll use Omega Men. He, oh, he worked yeah. on Legion. So there are Legion aliens in here, uh, or Legion concepts. He worked on, you know... Uh, he, okay. He was the uh, plotter for the, the the funny, the comedy Justice League. Okay. And so characters from that Justice League will also appear. You know, he's using his usual toy box. Perfect. Script by Bill Mantlo, because Keith never really wrote the dialogue himself. Okay. So Bill Mantlo, who was a Marvelite. Pencils by Todd McFarlane. You might know. Which you might know from Spoon. Uh, and and the big-eyed Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, so Mega-web Spider-Man. Todd would go on to... was already working uh, at Marvel at this point. Yeah. Doing, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's surprising to find him here. But he had been drawing some Infinity Ink. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, But this is some early Todd McFarlane. I didn't really know him till lots of webbing Spider-Man and, uh, and the black Spider-Man. Right. Uh, and I so I this is before he became a big star. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised, and and I thought it was fun to see his work before he became a star. Right, and he's not one of the worst of the image, the early image. Oh no, no, it's 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 all right. I like the cartoon. This isn't style. like a Rob Liefeld or oh no, no, or I find Jim Lee very difficult. It yeah to it, like it can uh, be, but um, but no. So this is Todd McFarlane here, and he's in each of the four chapters. He's inked by a different artist. P. Craig Russell in Chapter 1, Al Gordon in Chapter 2, Joe Rubenstein in Chapter 3, and Chapter 4, he inks himself. Wow! So you've got also lettering by Gaspar, colors by Carl Gafford, assistant editor is Kevin Dooley, the editor is Andrew Helfer, and uh, he gives special thanks to Bob Greenberger, Mark Wade, and Tom Christopher. I think they're all uh, other editors that probably helped out with coordinating the event. Well, it's a big event. For sure. So... What I thought we'd... Uh, well, let's talk about the cover. The cover's great. Uh, we we returned to that uh, Dominator, the yellow, long, clawed Dominator. This time, uh, it's not like on the... Because uh, they had this poster in the we talked about it in the first podcast. Well, in this one, he, he's his claw isn't over a city, it's over the Earth. And we have all these uh, spaceships all around the Earth. There will be an invasion. Right. They're all coming at, at really fast speeds. There's like a sort of uh, hyperdrive oh, yeah. effect, uh, like in Star Wars. Uh, and we should give a little, a few details also uh, that the, the book, book one, was on the stands the first week of October 1988. It's not really cover dated, but it's um, there's, no, there's no actual cover date on this. No. But it's number one of three. It cost $2.95 US, $4 Canadian. Uh, and 120 pounds UK, and it was reprint. If you're looking for it now, obviously you can 
You can find it in bag issues, but the, the, the three issues of Invasion were reprinted 20 years later in okay. trade paperback format. That's in 2008, so that should be, you should be able to find that. And it's remarkable that, you know, that this kind of thing, 80 pages and that price point, it could almost have been a prestige format. Yeah, I think so. For that time, for 88, yeah, four bucks for uh, 80 pages. But that would have meant you couldn't have gotten it in newsstands. Really? I, I think that's it. So I bought this at a, at a newsstand. This is an original? Yeah, this is the real one. Oh, wow. This is the, oh, wow. So, this is the real one. So the... It's in great shape, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's, it's square bound. Oh, okay, it, yeah. It, you know, and I guess it didn't, I didn't fold any of the corners. I, I don't take particularly good care of my comics. Well... They're for reading. This, yeah. Well, but this it's is not a nice. beat-up copy or anything. It's not beat-up. No. This has not spent time in the bathroom. No, no. What you have here is, you know, a, a thick book, but they still wanted it to be available in newsstands because it crossed over with everything. Yeah. So you want your people who don't have access to comic book stores, which at the time was many people. Yeah. I think the closest comic book store to my town would have been three or four hours away. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, so that's why it's in a cheaper format. Okay. So I'm sure the trade paperback has it glossier, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna be flipping pages through the did, original here. Did they have trade paperbacks in '89? Uh, I thought I thought that only started in the in the '90s. No, that's it. So well, that's why this was only reprinted in 2008. Oh wow, wow! This is like a precursor to because it's really nicely you know square bound yeah. and but you had the 80 page giants yeah. from. 60s and 70s, so this, you know the format existed. Yeah. Uh, so and that's that's what they've decided to do. So really, we're not gonna squeeze these out over like normally this would have been four issues. Yeah. Worth of material, we're not gonna squeeze it out weekly. We're not gonna. It just comes out, boom, and yeah. then all the other comics react to that, and then boom, another book one. two drops that drops, and then the heroes react to that. And then boom, book three, and then the heroes react to that. So it's really it fits perfectly in between chunks of yeah. regular comics. Let's attack the um, the interior. All right. So you stop me whenever. I've written a little synopsis uh, of each chapter, and as we have thoughts, okay. we can we can share them. Uh, so it starts on another planet. Chapter one. Chapter one. Another planet. Dominated scientists allied with the warlike Kunz are experimenting on abducted human beings of all ages, creeds, and genders to find out more about the gene that allows humans to gain superpowers. They throw these hapless people into killing zone called the Blaster Field to see who will survive by developing powers under stress. When 7 out of 50 survive, which is way more than they thought, yeah. they realize humanity could well be the most unpredictable and dangerous species in the universe and immediately call for war. You know what? I love this. It starts off really quickly. We know what the premise is. We know where we're going. I call chapter one, Meet the Dominators. Because <laughs> um, who designed these guys? He probably... You know, I don't know. It invaded Guillermo del Toro's brains because of all the teeth and the no lips and everything. They're really sinister creatures. These uh, these dominators, yeah. and they have friends, and the <laughs> friends are crazy. Yeah, because they're the scientists. Yeah, but yeah. the Kuns would be the soldiers. Yeah, well, they're not even the scientists, really. They are the scientists, but they're mainly the plotters and the the masterminds. Yeah, they're the mastermind behind all of this. And just off the bat, from the start, I kind of like them. Of course, they're they're all the same. It's, it's the typical, every alien is exactly the same, but they're not all really the same. The 
red dot on their forehead is either big or small, depending on their, their cast, their rank. Yeah, yeah. They're called they're called the cast. Yeah, and I was surprised to see an old friend in there from old, old, and I'm and I'm talking old. Uh, I'm surprised you would use the word friend. So, <laughs> the, so we see a few of the humans who yeah. survived the the blaster field. Yeah, uh, and keep that name in mind, the blaster field, because it'll turn up towards the end. All of these people are new. There's a little, yeah. a little kid. There's an older man. There's a woman, uh, and then there's Lucas Carr. Lucas Carr, better known as Snapper Carr. Snapper Carr still lives in uh, Happy Harbor. I see, according to this. Uh, occupation scientist, former mascot of the original Justice League of America, and most hated man in the DC universe. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's before uh, Max Lord started being an ass. But mm-hmm. um, Snapper Carr was, if you don't know him, he's from the old, what, Silver Age era? Yeah, Silver Age. He, he was uh, in the first uh, Justice League He was like co- a comic um, where he, uh, he helps the Justice League beat Starro. Okay. By, so by, he suggests... The solution. All right, so he's in there, and he's been just hanging out with the Justice League for ages. We don't see him since forever. forever yeah. And then we found out that you know what? He survived the blaster field. So does he have the meta gene? He, uh, he, hmm? he must have because he survived. Yeah, and he must have powers. Which is because when the blaster field goes, there's just yeah. explosions, and then people survive. How they did? This is not shown. No, and, and, and I, don't, I don't think it's important because the blaster field is kind of like uh, a multitude of different ways to blast humans. So they just blast them with all kinds of stuff. And if you survive, you survive. Right. And, and you're probably people with powers who did not survive. Probably because it looks... They, they just got hit by the wrong kind of... It looks uh, brutal. Of, of death. So maybe it's more than 7 in 50. Maybe it's more than 15%. It could us. be, but you know what? 15% is pretty big. I'm kind of surprised that Snapper Car would uh, be a meta-human. Or well, that he, well, it's a big coincidence, first of all, that he was the Justice League's mascot, the non-powered Jimmy Olsen to the yeah. Justice League, and then, oh, well, it turns out he has the potential for power, and what, he's never been exposed to anything that might have triggered those powers? I, I don't He was know. hanging out with the Justice League. I know. I, somewhere, I mean, Green Arrow's going apeshit. He's going, what? This guy has powers. He can't even, what? And Batman is like, yeah, no. No, he's not. He's, there's a fault. There's no way. There's no way. He, he can't have powers because he's an idiot. And, you know, so Snapper Car, apparently, metahuman. Apparently, apparently metahuman. Apparently. And he's the only one we know, so he's yeah. supposed to be kind of the face yeah, exactly. of the uh, people being experimented on. A uh, character we know, but don't really know. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't been around for, for we years. We know of, but we don't really know. Right. And I think the reason why people don't like him in the comics, the original comics, when you read them, is because Snapper is kind of supposed to be the cool teen. Well, he's really With the, the, with the, the, you know, the 60s lingo. Yeah. Uh, it's annoying. It's annoying. You know what? He's so annoying in the old comic books, he would be annoying in the Teen Titans comic books. From that time, he, I mean, when they were all riding on Toyotas. And I'm a big fan of that, by the way. I am I'm a too. huge fan of the Teen Titans when Bob Haney was uh, writing them. I, I love those. But if but Snapper Car is like, I, I guess he feels out of place with the Justice League who are all kind of authority figures. Yeah, well, he feels like an uncle who's trying to be cool. He's not cool. He's just trying to be cool. Yeah. And it doesn't work. 
Yeah, but uh, he's, uh, he's the Rick Jones of the, Mar- the DC universe. But exactly. they, they did far less with <laughs> exactly right. So okay, so there's the call to war. Yeah, right. So Snapper is just like in one panel. We, we yeah. don't really find out anything. No, no, no. He's he's just he's just in there. We just I, I was just surprised because I knew who Snapgar was and right. I was all surprised and went, oh he's a meta meta human. But all we see from uh, from the first pages are Dominators and the Coons. That's Pretty much all we see. And that's pretty much all there is. Uh, one dominator from the low cast, uh, because he has a very small dot on his forehead, yep. tries to talk the leadership out of it, uh, but he's put in his place. And besides, only human and kun blood will be spilled, right? Exactly. So we're all going to be above all this. We're exactly. dominators. Uh, and so on the so then we see on the planet El Shatai. Yeah. how I'm going to pronounce this. We see a powerless Green Lantern at this point. All the Green Lanterns were power, unpowered, except yeah. for the few on Earth. Yeah, just four of them stayed. I don't, I don't really know why. I wasn't reading comments at that time, but we have these Green Lanterns who still have the uniform, right? They uh, still represent universal peace and the yeah. Guardians. But uh, yeah, he and the Dominators have kind of figured out that this is their only real problem in the galactic community. Yeah, uh, that the Green Lanterns and the Guardians would sway people not to support their action against Earth. Exactly. But the Dominators, they're smart, so they take out these... Uh... Oh, yeah. So you see this powerless Green Lantern, uh, he's, he's speaking against the Dominion Alliance, and he's shot by a Dominion agent. And the same thing happens to other Green Lanterns and on other planets all across the galaxy. People we, we've never actually met. No, really. I mean, Green Lanterns... I mean, the core is pretty big, and yeah. you have all these guys out there. And, and today, you really do have that kind of... You know, let's just massacre a lot of Green Lanterns all yeah. the time. They're expandable. <laughs> They're just Green Lanterns are expandable. If you're not from Earth, you're probably going to die. Yeah. So, or if we don't know your name. And that's why they paired them up at, at one point. Yeah. Just put two Green Lanterns in, in each sector because... You know, they're all yeah. going to be cut in half. <laughs> Gory death awaits really, the Lantern. Really. Um, he used to be so powerful. But um, <laughs> so then we see on Thanagar, uh, the home world of Hawkman, the Hawk police are rounding up citizens loyal to the Guardians of the Universe and therefore to peace. Uh, so that's going on. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I hate the Thanagarians. I don't, I don't mind Thanagar. I mean, I think the planet's fine. Hmm. I think the guys on there are assholes. I mean, they're they're basically these holier than thou, entitled jock mentality police officers. They're basically douchebags. I, I think it's, I think it's a shift also uh, after Crisis uh, and starting with Invasion. Really, Sanagar becomes kind of a villain. Well, uh, yeah. planet where before they might have been. It makes me want to like Hawkman a lot more, but. Thanagarian, uh, Thanagardians. How do you say this? Thanagarians. Thanagarians. These guys, they're assholes. <laughs> I mean, I, they probably think they're pretty. They probably look at themselves in mirrors well, and they, you know, they're all you know, in chests with, oh, with yeah. straps. And well, exactly. They're going around bare chested and all clean. They've got wings. You know, they're like think of themselves as angels. Yeah, of I mean, order. They don't even protect themselves like the coons. You know, the coons at least they have like this armor on them. Nah, you know, the the, the Hawkmen of Thanagar, they just eh, yeah. go around bare-chested. So we're seeing that happen. Some, yeah. Obviously some war crimes going on. Then Ran, on Ran, uh, Ran plans to reject the Alliance. Uh, and to avoid reprisals, Adam Strange suggests that they stay neutral instead, and that they... Um, they just give him up. Yeah, they offer him up as an, a hostage, so he, in any case, he can hopefully Zeta Beam out of there. Exactly. Uh, out of jail, and then he'll have some intel to share. Exactly. So basically, he goes in there to find out what's going on, and 
I'm going to tell you something. I, I like Adam Strange. You do? Yeah, I always thought he was cool. He has this cool suit. He has a jetpack. He's Zeta Beams in and out of stuff. I love him. Uh, he's kind of a classic, you know, Fuck Rogers. Yeah, it's, I love it. Flash Gordon-y. Yeah. And you know what? He just proves he's a hero. He just he goes in there, says, you know what? I'm going to go in there, yeah. keep everybody safe. Controversial, because his wife is pregnant at this point. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? I didn't notice. See? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, it's... Oh, yeah, he's leaving his family behind. So, yeah. he's a little bit cocky that he can get out of this. Yeah. But it's interesting that they're using DC's other cosmic heroes and saying, yeah. well, you know, the galaxy's a smaller place than we think, so we can actually bring in all these different characters from the uh, space Yeah, and elements. Thanagar and, and Ran aren't that... Far away, I'm guessing, because they're they're going to have a war later on. Yeah, so. that's it. Those worlds are close. So I mean, it, it would be a very hero thing to do, and kind of makes me want to like Adam Strange a little bit more. Uh, then uh, on Daxum, a world much like Krypton, mm-hmm. they've decided to remain as observers. So they, yeah. they join the alliance with as observers, and the Dominion can basically use them uh, for their medical and scientific expertise. Yeah, but and Daxamites are in there. So if we if you know about Daxum. It's the planet where Monel of the Legion comes from. Yeah, yeah. And Superman's uh, quote unquote cousin from cousin, another planet. Well, you thought he was his brother in the very first yeah. story. Yeah, but yeah. he's a Daxamite. His uh, he basically has the same powers as Superman, only he's affected by uh, apparently the radiation from lead. Yeah, lead radiation, uh, which is very common. That poisonous lead radiation. <laughs> poisonous, poisonous. So it's basically Superboy with even a worse <sighs> lead. But you know it works. Well, yeah, it works. It's you know lead poisoning. It's it works. It's and, a thing for Daxamites, and it's uh, probably why they didn't invade everything. I mean, they're going to be observers, so mm-hmm. they're like these these people who don't really take part. They're interested in what's happening, but they they haven't made a move yet, and they don't know that they, they don't, have powers. Exactly. That's under the a yellow sun. That's the thing. At this point, the Daxamites they don't know because Monel. We only find them in the future, really. Because and a lot of these aliens are making their very first. Kind of their first appearances yeah. in the modern day, because a lot of them come from, frankly, the Omega Men series, yeah. the Vega system. Uh, but a lot of them are coming from the 30th century, really. Exactly. So this is this is like their early history. Yeah. So we we only learn about Daxamites now. I mean, well, we don't learn about them now because we're we're we already out, know. Yeah, we're yeah. outside observers, right? But uh, for the people on Earth, they never met a Daxamite, really, or. Except for Monel, who yeah, Superboy would, or somebody might have. So met. at this point, there's no Superboy, and even the Daxamites, it's their first time with I don't know a yellow sun, so they yeah. don't know. They really don't know. They really don't. There's also this little point about an envoy sent to Apocalypse, uh, and this guy returns dead, but with a message, yeah, implanted in his mind. <laughs> it's very Apocalypse type thing. Yeah, a message from Darkseid to not destroy the Earth. Like, do what you want, but don't destroy the Earth, because the anti-life equation is supposed to be found there. That's his own obsession. Yeah. Uh, which the Dominators find is another good reason to invade. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that makes Earth even more dangerous. Exactly. You but, know? I mean, they still don't want to mess around with with Darkseid. Who does? Yeah, exactly. Well, that kind of puts Darkseid... I mean, because if you look at everything, we see, like, a, a, the scale of power, mm. right? We have these uh, Dominators and everybody... But they still go and ask uh, Darkseid for permission. He's, yeah. They're like, you know, you know, we're badass and everything, but you know what? If Darkseid well, starts... If, imagine if Apocalypse <laughs> got into this alliance so that you'd have, you know, parademon troops. Yeah, exactly. And new gods. It would be the legends all over again because that's that's the enemy in legends. Okay. But it's it's a bit like when they took out Swamp Thing in the prologues and rumblings. 
yeah. which we talked about in the first episode. Some characters you don't want to miss. You don't want them in the invasion because they're just going to throw off the balance exactly. of the event. And Darkseid is one of these characters. Oh, well, yeah. Or all the new gods. Exactly. They're all cosmic power. Yeah, they just so. throw the whole thing out of yeah. out of whack. So, anyway, by the end, uh, the following powers have joined the main alliance. The Dominion, obviously, they started it. The Kuns, the warlords of Oka'ara, mm-hmm. who are weaponsmiths. Yeah, we'll uh, see them from the Omega on. Men series. Yeah, uh, they're the blue guys, big blue guys, big blue guys. The Durlins were the shapeshifters. Yeah, we're, they they can be very. I didn't know they were this cool. The I Durlins. Think this made them cooler. They are a cooler enemy than ever. Seriously, I have a new love for the Durlins. The Psions. Yeah, which are basically, you know... Lizard... Lizard like, men. Yeah, lizard men scientists yeah. who... Uh, they're the ones responsible for Starfire from the Teen Titans. Okay. They experiment on... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people. big-lipped uh, lizards there. Yeah, so they, yeah. they experiment on people uh, and yeah. give them powers. Yeah. So they're they're good to have on your side if you're going to study the metagene. Yeah, exactly. And in real life, apparently they gave us politicians. <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh, that's a conspiracy theory where everybody's a... Uh, lizard uh, lizard uh, men and right. So I think they're they're these people. Sure, the lizard men head. of Lemuria, right? That's yeah, the Lemurians. Okay, <laughs> Thanagar. Obviously. Thanagar. The, we got the jocks. Uh, the Gildishpan, which are basically aquaworms, with, aquaworms with, with with cyberpods who live in liquid methane. Yeah, uh, they're also from a 30th century. Yeah, uh, they're uh, the, the Legion of Supervillains has a character called Zemir who creates warps, like okay. as a teleporter yeah. kind of thing. He's in that bubble and he's that worm. So they've taken the Gildishpan, which is a, a very weird name. Gildishpan. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> so the Gildishpan. The Gildishpan. The Gildishpan are in this alliance. The Citadel. Also big bruisers from Omega Man. Yeah, so, uh, you know what? There are a lot of bruisers in there. The Coons, uh, the Warlords, the Citadelians. And, but the Citadelians are like... They're basically goons from the Bronx in space. Yeah, they make him talk... Like yeah, she yeah, they're they're goons they're from the forty cigars. Yeah, exactly. That's what they sound like. Which is, I, I never read Omega Men. Omega Men could not disinterest me more. Well, it's, it's a lot. It's it's DC's answer to furries. I mean, uh, <laughs> because of Tiger, uh, Tiger, Tiger, and Felicity. And, 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 Felicity yeah, okay. They're all tigers. And, a, yeah, you know. But I, I never cared for the Omega. It never interested me. No, no I, um, yeah, they just took up space in Husu. That's all they. Did. <laughs> And they, had, they were in the Teen Titans. That's why I know who yeah, they are. Yeah, that's where they, you know, yeah. they intersected the Teen Titans a few times. But I don't care about them, and I don't care about the Vega system where all these species, apparently all the planets are inhabited. I don't care about vegans either. <laughs> Hate them. Eat meat, people. A whole system that eats only plants? Come on. I think it's vegans. Okay. <laughs> so, I don't care about vegans. I don't care about any of that. But I, I was surprised that the Citadel... Because they didn't, I mean, well, they're still aliens to give them a sort of guys from the docks. <laughs> well, that's what they do. They're basically, they're guys from the docks, and they're the people who watch for the, uh, who, what, the, the caretakers for the prisoners? Right. Or they, they each gave them, yeah. everybody has a role yeah. to play in the invasion effort. And of course, we didn't mention the Dexamites again, but the Dexamites are observers, and they're, yeah. they're in the main alliance. They're just, they're just and watching. we'll find out there are other aliens helping out. Yeah, uh, but they're the main exactly uh, the main alliance members. But each one, like the Dominators, will be plotting. Uh, the Durlins are infiltrators. Yeah, the uh, Hawkmen are basically police, right? And the Gildishpan are there to, to to handle the supply lines. So that's the idea of the warps. Yeah, Daxamites have 
medical experience. And yeah, they're going to study the They're going to. They're going to. They might get into it, but right now they're observers. Okarans are going to make the weapons. Yeah, and they the Kurns are going to fight. They know how to do that. The Citadelians are going to run the the Gulag. Yeah, or the the Starlag. Star yeah, and uh, and the Psions are just your your scientists. Yeah. So, but basically, it's a lot of. They're mostly scientists or soldiers. Yeah. Big bulky guys and thin, wispy well, guys. That's what you want, right? And then you've got the very alien ones, like the Durlins and the Gildish Band. To, yeah. To make and the Durlins are cool. So as the chapter ends, the Dominators finally say, let us talk war. Let us talk war. Let us talk. I like how these uh, these chapters just end so well. Well, it propelled you into the next chapter. Chapter 2. Starlag Containment Craft. The prison run by the Citadel on the edge of the Vagan system. I call Chapter 2 Getting Organized. We've got the Spider Guild, yeah. which is another alien creature thing. They basically do abductions uh, and, and bring people over for the other guys, the Alliance, to test. Right, so all this time, the Dominion and their allies are kidnapping people from Earth. Yeah. Maybe mutilating our cattle. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, like red herrings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're abducting people. Yep. Fox Mulder, everyone. <laughs> and then they're bringing them to that Starlag. Yeah. Uh, and to, to experiment on them, yeah. to throw them into the battle, the whatever it's called, the blaster field, the blaster fields, to see who in there are uh, right. metahumans. And when somebody's like a normal, when they experiment on someone and he's normal, they just put him in. There's a like a special uh, yeah. area, a, yeah. a sector, a block, a prison yeah. block. It's where, a basically prison. Yeah. If if you survive, you're going into prison. Basically, they're doing the witch hunt thing from Salem. Basically, if you survive the blaster fields, you're a witch. You're a witch, and you're going to jail. Right. So, and then now they're regularly bringing human abductees, and the now prisoner Adam Strange. Yep. We don't see him giving himself up. He's just already he's a prisoner. Adam Strange and his cellmate, which is the first appearance of a character called Garen Beck. Yeah. Uh, who will become important later? He has better hair in this. Then I, I, I like his hair in this. <laughs> it's more normal. Yeah, it's surprising. It's still Todd McFarlane. You, he might have created the big hair look, but the big hair look comes later. <laughs> well, somebody probably told him, "Okay, enough with the big hair." But you know, well, here he's in prison, so maybe he got a he got a haircut, prison yeah. haircut. <laughs> probably, but uh, first time I see him, and uh, I know he's important for because I never read Legion, right? So I don't know. Uh, he'll so, become important. But he becomes important, and we have a bit of a backstory. He used to be a cop and everything, so we get to On know... On his planet, because he's, yeah. he's not human, but he looks he looks really human. He, look, he looks human. But he comes from another planet. But yeah, we, we learn a bit about Garen Beck. And they're uh, cellmates. Yeah. So it's it's a chance for Adam Strange to uh, to talk to someone and tell us what's happening so yeah. that we understand. And by the way, they, they give the prisoners some really cool outfits... For some odd reason, yeah. these outfits are kind of cool. Yeah. They're very like superhero Blue stripes. Yeah. They're all black with the blue stripes around the shoulders. Yeah. Um, they are more superhero-y than you'd yeah. expect. Nightwing would probably go, yeah, yeah you know what? That's a Nightwing kind of suit. I'll, I'll just grab this suit and I'll be on with my way. Elsewhere in the vegan system... Now you've got me doing vegan. Elsewhere <laughs> in the vegan system... The Omega Men. The Omega Men. Uh, they're being hunted by uh, Durlin and Kun Ships. Uh, you see the Durlins. Uh, the Durlins are basically are basically their ships. Yeah, well, that's the cool part. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. this I think this is kind of new. I I don't remember seeing this before. Because I I used to like when I when I used to you know read uh, the Legion of Superheroes. I always liked Chameleon Kid. 
Uh, chameleon boy, sorry. Uh, he didn't he become chameleon kid at some point? No. no. Who, who the hell's chameleon chameleon kid? I, I don't, it doesn't no. exist. Doesn't uh, trademark. But the chameleon boy, I always liked him because he shaped shift and he always had like these weird monster type things. Yeah. He was cool. I, I had a good personality. I like chameleon boy. Yeah, and you know I, the only other chameleon person was his dad, whom he. F- fought with once and wasn't really the guy and right. I, I, I don't remember everything because I was young but now I see a bunch of Durlins and they basically morph and gel into their own ships and this is wonderful this so they, is awesome. they've got a shape shifting ship yeah but they're all like intertwined and, and then when they board the Omega Men's ship they basically just splurge into there. Yeah, they just you know ram into it, and then whatever section of the ship is inside the Omega Men's ship just becomes separate yeah. Durlins that that go on a rampage. Exactly. So basically, it's Cthulhu of space. Right. They just they just tentacles and it becomes horror. it becomes the scene in um, the Force Awakens aboard Hans Freighter. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I, I I don't know if yeah. Okay. By yeah. this point, you should have seen the Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. By the time this airs, if if you didn't, you heard about this part. But yeah, it's exactly that. And it's not much of a spoiler. As far as uh, plot points, but yeah, the furries get caught. Yeah, the um, basically this this is uh, this is some of the um, house cleaning that uh, you might you, we were talking about last episode. Yeah, uh, because the Derlins board the ship, and then very quickly they kill Callista, Felicity, the Green Man, and the living ship. The ship yeah. is actually alive. Well, the Green Man doesn't. Isn't the Green Man a, a Green Lantern? He was a Green Lantern. Then he wasn't, and then, and that, he, then he then he was an Omega Man, and, and then, then you're an Omega Man. <laughs> You're marked for death. So, <laughs> they They're the red shirts. They don't the... even kill the really stupid Omega Men. Like, the very lame Omega Men that didn't get Who's Who entries survived this. But Felicity <laughs> does not. Callista yeah. does not. The Green Man doesn't. Which was kind of the one I kind of liked. Well, he was really the... Him and Tigor. Uh, that's his name, right? Yep. He's the, they're the only Tigor, two I know. Tigor, Tigor, I don't know. Uh, but Tiger, Tigor. Uh, okay, yeah. Tigor. That's, uh, that's what I'm going with. Uh, Tigor, I knew, just because he looks like a tiger. And, yeah, he know. looks like one of the Thundercats. Exactly. And the Green Man, I knew because he was in the core, in the in the Green Lantern Corps. The other ones, couldn't care less about. I mean, they could have killed a lot more of them. Could have killed everybody. I... <laughs> Yeah, but I, I'm still surprised. Once again, I don't like vegans. I'm still surprised. Vegans. I, I just don't know why Keith Giffen wants these characters dead. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe to give uh, the Omega Men a sense of purpose or to... Because the know. rest of them are captured. We'll yeah. see them in the Starlag later on. Yeah. So, what happens next? Oh, yeah. They're going to be studied by the Scions. I was I was kind of surprised that the Omega Men were, were captured and everything because they're not human. No, but they, many of them have powers. Yeah, but they could interfere... They were already being hunted. Yeah. So it just happens that we're all in an alliance. The Psions are hunting the Omega Men since forever. Or the Citadel is hunting, you know, well, the Durlins. We're we're team players. Although, (laughs) 
Every time you get a scene where aliens are supposed to be working together, as soon as the the other species leaves the room, the other guys go, yeah, yeah, wait till this invasion's over. Yeah, exactly. You're next, buddy. <laughs> so they all exactly. hate each other. They all despise each other, and they're gonna turn on each other. Yeah. If, this this if, is a very Keith Giffen kind of thing, or yeah. black humor of it, where it's actually very. They funny. can't trust each other. It's actually very funny uh, when you have like interactions between dominators. And like uh, the uh, Citadelians, yep. That interaction was actually very, very funny. I'd like to see that, like in a, in a movie. every every one of those species thinks they're the biggest player there. Yeah, exactly. that they're using everyone else. But you know, the, the Citadel isn't using anybody. <laughs> they're using the bathroom. That's pretty much, and they're cleaning it afterwards because they're the custodians. But you know, it, they're being used as janitors. But you really yeah. see, like, you get a feel for how the Dominators. They see everybody else, and it's kind of funny. It was really funny. Yeah. I liked it. And on the far side of Earth's moon, quick scene, we find Doom Patrol villain Gargax. Gargax. Who offers to join the Alliance for a price. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, you know. <laughs> and, and basically they say, yeah, well, yeah, no. We don't need Well, you. my position is very strategic. <laughs> yes, you're, you're right. Give it up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're right. Yeah, how about you give us your base? Yeah, and then you know, so they intimidate him. The Kuns intimidate him until he packs his bags. So Gargax, I don't know who cared that Gargax was still around. I don't know. I thought it was funny that Gargax got his butt kicked by somebody else in the Doom Patrol. So and he just leaves. He just leaves. He just leaves. He's not going to be a player in this. So again, this is like Keith Giffen humor. Where yeah, I you know I remember this character. Somebody probably told him, hey. um Gargax. Gargax. Gargax is on the moon. He could we, be a player. Yeah, we just put him on the moon, and uh, you know the Doom Patrol is going to be in this. And, <laughs> and uh, now he gets four panels. So that's it for Gargax. Gargax is out of the game, and then uh, so he's forced to comply. Meanwhile, Starlag is practically at full capacity. Yeah, and uh, but Adam Strange can't find anyone to join him in any kind of action against the Alliance. Exactly, which he would want to do. Garen, Garen is always with them. Garen Beck is always with them, and they uh, they actually meet or see uh, Riddle Docs. He's just there, and he's he looks like he's doing nothing. Yeah, he's just a guy, a green guy. He's Brainiac Five, and exactly, we we don't. Well, he looks like Brainiac Five, yeah. but he's not in the thirtieth ancestor of Brainiac. Yeah, Five. he's not in the thirtieth century. So, I, first time I saw him, I thought, oh well, here's a Brainiac type guy. He's caught, and he's not doing anything. He looks like in a just vegetative. I don't know what he's doing. He's just thinking. There. Well, that's what. Which we, is the power of the Brainiacs? We'll we'll find, we'll find out. out. Nobody wants to join Adam no. Strange in anything at this point. So we're still. We don't know it, but we're losing. Yeah, and our and heroes are losing. He's kind of. I think that Adam Strange is kind of frustrated because he says this. But some of us still want to live as men, not maggots. <laughs> so he's going, you know, passive aggressive on everybody. There's also another line I like where um, somebody says uh, pl- they plowed themselves into this pickle. Uh, uh, I have no words. It's a very plowed yourself into a pickle. It is. It's a, it's a very it's kind uh, of rude. Yeah. All right. On that, we'll go to a commercial, and then we'll come back with chapter three. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. Leggy dame in nylons, or have I answered my own question? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for magic. 
Black Canary and Zatanna, together in one podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and I've got a thing for superheroes in fishnet stockings. That's why I started Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Join me every two weeks as I celebrate the Blonde Bombshell and the Mistress of Magic in their exciting adventures published by DC Comics. Power of Fishnets, available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. All right, let's talk about Chapter 3. Chapter 3, which I call Going to War. They have no uh, titles, by the way. No, no. Making this I'm up. just making because I like to yeah, do he's, that. Uh, he's giving us some structure. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, uh, also, I also call it how about some warlords? Because hmm. that's when we meet the warlords, really. We see what they do. This is what, yeah, the warlords of Okuara have created weapons for the Kuns. Uh, the alien armada is preparing. And, and the Kuns are really happy with the stuff oh. they've been given. Oh, and then yeah. there's, there's some really snarky uh, banter between uh, the two bulky well, species. You, you know, you have, yeah, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're beating off their chest and they're, they're, they're being tough guys, you yeah, know. Yeah, you're like, I really like uh, the weapons you made and, um, you know. Uh, I hope you can use them. Yeah, that's it. Well, we man. made them simple because, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're dumbasses. <laughs> and, 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 well, yeah, and, but, once again, we feel that they're not friends. They nope. only have a common goal. Right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe well. they're using Earth's invasion to further their own ends. Exactly. Like, no, none of these guys know that the Dominators, or many of these guys don't know that the Dominators really want the metagene or anything like that. They think... We're just invading. We're just invading a planet. Yeah. You know, we're Kuns. We're down with that. Yeah, and that's all they need, right? That's all they want. And we see the goods. We see the... the the Armada, they right. have those ships. Those U-ships. And they're huge. And they, yeah, they're formed like a U. They look like a U. Very reminiscent of Borg ships also. They're kind of square from the mm. Star Trek The Next Generation. Yep. Uh, but we see all the ships. Everybody's yeah, ships. Every, everybody's congregating somewhere outside our solar system. Yeah. There's like a full billiards table of, of planets there. I, I don't know where this is. I don't know. They're all close together, so... Yeah, uh, it's some kind of weird system where it is some kind of weird Star Wars system yeah. where inhabitable planets are all over the place, not gravitating. Uh, probably, I don't know how it works. All right. So we have many uh, all the ships, as you say, all the different ships arrive. The U ships of the Kuns. Uh, we've got this uh, bulky um, crab-like, crabish ship that belongs to the Daxamites, just the observation shuttle. Yeah. Uh, then there's this green bird-like one, the Psions. Well, yeah. I guess it's lizard-like. It's green. I guess, yeah. It's got a head of a snake. Kind of, kind of reminds me of, once again, uh, Star Trek uh, yeah, Birds a, of Prey. It's like a Romulan... Romulan warbird. Yeah, kind of thing. The Gildish Band in... In Bubbles. Yeah, it looks they, like... It looks like um, air balloons. Air balloons that in Metallic space. air balloons. Yeah. The Durlins, of course, have this um, have these very weird... Weird, yeah. Very horror. They're, I mean, they're scary. The Durlins are scary. Yeah, they're, they're like... Well, they're Cthulhu monsters. Yeah. They're, they're Lovecraftian kind of thing. And then the Okarans show up at the end uh, for maximum effect, they say. Yeah, and uh, fittingly, their, their ships look like guns. Yes, they look... This looks like weaponry Cable yeah. might use. <laughs> exactly. To give you a, an idea. <laughs> it is. <laughs> what it is. It's a cable gun. Right. So, uh, meanwhile, on the Dominion homeworld, 
the minor castling from chapter one. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, he studies the human genome and he wonders if our annihilation is really necessary. His research shows that they could just neutralize the genetic factor that gives us uh, superpowers. But the option was rejected, so whatever. But he keeps working at it. He keeps working at it and he probably would get in trouble, I think, if some people knew. But since he's like a lesser dominator or whatever, nobody, nobody notices. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody notices. The Alliance Armada begins to press forward. We've got a big splash page of all the ships. Yeah, it's uh, impressive. It's impressive. Yeah. I don't think it's the greatest piece of Todd McFarlane art ever. No, no. Uh, he probably didn't have the time to do it. And remember, the, col- the coloring is very light, very flat, where you've got, a, you know, like this ship is going to be a turquoise, this ship's going to yeah, be orange. And, and what's this moon planet? Yeah, the moon's gray, in the way. brown thing. Yeah, it's the kind of. The composition's not quite yeah, there. Yeah, he, he looks like he kind of. Powered through. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a big moment. Eh, yeah, you know, it's all right. So they um, they move forward. They they space jump. How do they, they hyperdrive? Yeah, they hyperdrive right to Earth. And I think this is like this is a better page. Yeah, uh, page forty nine, where we see our Earth from very close. We just see the ocean. Yeah, and then we we're tracking backwards. Yeah, we're panning out until the Earth is very small and the Armada is huge. Yeah, yeah, arriving and in our system. We're probably uh, a little bit. Further than maybe the moon, and there's, there's no no cloud cover. No, it's like it's a cloudless day. It's a beautiful cloudless <laughs> day, and then the alien armada jumps into our system. Apparently, and they're, basically they're here at the same time. Adam Strange Zeta Beam wears off. Yep, and he oh, we've got more invasion stuff. And then yeah, it yeah, yeah. goes on. You know, page fifty one is the the invasion arriving at Earth, and yeah, this, and this one looks better. You know what? I really like how the composition of this, like the Earth, is in there, and there are four panels, and right. the Earth is right in the middle of the four panels, and it looks like it's a target. It's exactly. like it's a crosshair. It's, this is a very nicely done page. I think. Yeah, that's this. This one's cool. Once again, the moon is too big, but that's and we're arriving at Earth from a weird angle as well. Yeah, we're. I don't recognize. Wait, it's, it's upside down. I think is it. Is it? I, uh, I, yeah, I think this is Canada. This is the U.S. For some odd reason, we're not connected to... Or maybe... or No, this is North America. Is it? Well, it's a strange angle because it's not actually how continents work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Australia would be here. Yeah, and this, this is, is North America. This is... Yeah. Okay, I don't know yeah. what this is, but, you know, it's a distorted Earth. It's a, Yeah. Well, they're coming in at hyperspace. Yeah, yeah, that's it. A distorted reality. Yeah. It's distorted space. And they race, uh, basically, Adam Strange that Zeta beams out. Yeah, of, uh, he of arrives the seemingly just before them. Uh, he's teleported back to Earth on a South Sea island where he knew where, he, you know, that's the place where he was. He took off. Uh, but the Kuns are already there and they've destroyed his escape craft, yeah. which was waiting on the island. They're an advanced post. So apparently they've been here all along. And, and I and, guess, and it's actually a complete coincidence. I don't think. I think it's planned. They say it's it's uh, coincidence. Oh I, well, it's it's too much of a coincidence. I mean, there are like what what uh, four coons waiting for them. Yeah, uh, it's I don't a know. most gratifying coincidence, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the dominators are smarter than you think, you idiots. Maybe yeah. they sent you there for a reason, but you don't know it. Yeah, I think that's the that's the ticket. Yeah, that makes more sense. So Adam Strange is already recaptured, so that's uh, some zero right there. We uh, we go back to the Starlag. Yeah, random prisoners are being killed as an example to anyone else who might think of escaping. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's where we see Vril Docs being a complete badass. Yeah, Garen Beck um, spots him. Uh, he says, "Well, he's such a cold that Kaluan is so cold 
He doesn't care that people are being murdered around him. It could have been him, but he doesn't care. Uh, but that's because Vril is on another another level. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I think he saw he wasn't being because they're basically shooting at people randomly, and I think he, you know, he just calculated that. Yeah, nobody's shooting at me, so I don't need to move. And if you were to die, really? what do I do? Panic? I mean, there's nothing we can do. So he's just an intellectual, very intellectual character. Yeah. Uh, so this is also his first appearance, and he's Brainiac two. Yeah, by the way, really? he's Brainiac's son, or, or spawn. Sure. Of, yeah, of the Brainiac. spawn of Brainiac. And this is where, and this is where I, I was saying uh, the Dominators oh, yeah. and the the Citadelians they have this interaction, which is pretty funny. I mean, the dialogue is pretty funny. This is the part where the Citadelian warden of the prison realizes he's not been given oversight over the, the Psion section. Exactly. The Psions are, have a part of the prison where the Omega Men are and all that. And, well, you know, I need the keys to the whole castle. Well, he won't get it. Yeah, the Dominion, you know, shows him the place. Mm-hmm. See, now um, you really want to bother the Scions with this? <laughs> and it seems that in the Vegan system, the Scions are a powerful reputation. Yeah, I think, well, maybe just because uh, the Scions are intellectuals and scientists, and so are the Dominion... I think maybe that's where they're probably buddies. But yeah, we see the Omega Men captured. Poor uh, Elu. Poor Elu, really? <laughs> I don't know. He's just a, a ball of energy, but he's also trapped in there. He's trapped. I always felt for Elu because he was kind of like he's the R2-D2. It's just yeah. a little blob. <laughs> it's just a, a thingy. But I have no idea. He I, might have I, the worst personality ever. He might be a jackass. It's, I don't know the Omega Men. Omega Men. Uh, so then we're uh, with uh, Vril Dox and Garen Beck again because they've been put together. Yep. Vril is his new cellmate. And Garen doesn't realize it, but their destinies are intertwined. We'll see this eventually, but it's quite a, f- a good way away. But Vril talks for like the first time and basically tells us he's been calculating everything, he's been computer minded thing, and he's. And he, we're getting out. Yeah, he's working on an escape plan, and yeah. you, Garen Beck, have no choice but to uh, follow along. Yeah, basically. So he's um, uh, exercising his leadership right away, and again, yeah. this will become important later. Which leads us to Chapter 4. Yes. You, chapter 4. That... What, what have you called it? <laughs> they take Australia, Daxamites take flight. That's how I That's how I called it. Or, Earth poops its pants. <laughs> yeah, because once the they come out of nowhere in yeah. hyperspace... Earth is disorganized. We don't know what the hell's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. We don't have a united uh, government or military. No, the UN is still talking about this. While everything's going on, they just take Australia. Right. They Hun- just take it. Hundreds of warships in the skies, uh, and the invasion's beachhead is Melbourne, yeah. Australia. The uncoordinated Earth can do nothing. The Alliance controls Australia already. The continent... It's the continent with the lowest recorded incidence of meta-human activity. Exactly. So they kind of chose... Their spot, yeah. Uh, people, although, yeah, although there's a Justice League International base there. Sure, sure, but with one guy, with one so, guy, yeah. So people are already being uh, herded into camps. That's that's. Oh yeah, that's our fate in this thing. Then we see that exposed to sunlight, the Daxamites realize they they have amazing powers. Exactly, and and the way they kind of they just realize they're having a, a conversation with uh, one of the coons, and all of a sudden this Daxamite. They're talking about power, and he says, like, power, looking at his hand. Probably he kind of uh, reminds me of... Yeah, know, maybe his, he saw through his hand. Maybe he saw through his hand, or maybe it, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, All-Star Superman when uh, Lex Luthor gains the Superman powers, and all of a sudden he kind of sees stuff that he didn't know Superman could see. And I think this is kind of one of those moments. That's how I thought about it, because... 
And yeah, because I would just throw myself off the bridge of a ship. <laughs> well, yeah, no. he just the Daxamites just go offline. So there are only six of them that which are, is, which is enough. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. And then the, the like the uh, there's some needless destruction or they blow up a they, they, well he just they like, go through a building. Yeah, just to see how tough they are. I'm thinking, but then you choose that this power is meant to be studied. Yeah, not not used. Not used. They they won't employ it. They're they're as observers. They're yeah. neutral. And the Kuns are like, come on. Yeah, the Kuns kind of you know they start talking a bit dirt and then the Daxamites just. Put them back in their place, and again, this whole alliance thing is very yeah, tenuous, very, and it's very fragile. You feel it all the way through this first book. This alliance is really—they have one goal in common. Once this is done, they're all going to turn on each other. Oh yeah, nice little page with the nice face of uh, the the Dominator there, right. where we see all the destruction of. Australia, their air force, their navy, everything's gone. Suddenly we're elsewhere, and it's uh, the Spectre. Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard, because I read this before I read the Spectre. So I was like, all right, we're going to the Spectre, because he, once again, last time I saw him, he held reality together. So he's like one of those mega-powerful beings, and he's on a hilltop somewhere. Well, I think this is supposed to be a reprise of... That scene in the Spectre number 22, although it doesn't actually It doesn't match look up. at all like that. So I'm thinking he went tr- through one portal, and got then he's to this, in this weird mystical place, I'm thinking. And, and then, then he gets called yeah, by the, the next portal. By the Lord of... Uh, the Lords uh, of Order. The Lords of Order, who are being jackasses in this. Well, the, uh, they say he can't help in the invasion, uh, and they forbid him to upset the balance by taking part. If he takes part and he's an agent of order... Then the Lords of Chaos might want to get involved, and then, woof. Actually, they probably will get involved. Anyways. Anything can happen. So here's, like, it's a weird, oh, the Lords of Order will ally with the aliens. Really? Well, I had to think about this. I had to think about this, and I had to, I took a little break. I made a coffee. Okay. And I had to really think about this. Meditate on. Yeah, because I didn't get it either. But somewhere, the Dominators are really trying to stop some kind of chaos with this gene thing. It just creates superhumans out of nowhere. Right. Which They're very orderly. They've got their caste orderly. system. Exactly. Everything has its place. Kind of like... Uh, so their order... Yeah. They're on the same side as the Spectre. Exactly. Like probably the, the Yellow Lanterns would be. I mean, they rule by fear, but they rule to keep order, right? So I had to think about this. I was like, yeah, really? And I, I guess it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, because the Lords of Order would be like on Darkseid's side. Somewhere. Because exactly. the anti-life equation is really about anti-liberty. Yeah. It's an anti-freedom equation. Yeah. So it's about, you know, order can be... That's it. Order and chaos are not good and evil. Exactly. That's where I'm going. There's and separate this, things. This is another element that Keith Giffen's worked on before, because yeah. he's uh, he worked on Dr. Fate and incorporating the whole Lords of Order and Chaos yeah. into the Dr. Fate stuff, and he's yeah, used he, the Lords we, of Order often. We actually name-dropped Dr. Fate in this Because now the Spectre has to go and tell all the other mystical heroes, all the other agents of order, yeah. not to interfere. Exactly. So it's really he's he's been put in charge of not letting like the Phantom Stranger and Doctor Fate or whoever else yeah. counts in this. Uh, everybody Shazam, everybody who could. I mean the Wizard. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody who could like cast a spell to stop the invasion, yeah. it will be out of it. Zatanna. I think Zatanna. Well, where, what was Zatanna doing at this point? I don't. She she probably had this flimsy weird suit. 
that didn't look like a sorcerer, or a, not a sorcerer, but a, a magic. I think well, guy. It's, she was in the Justice League until Legends, and then at the end of Legends, the Justice League is decimated. All the kids are killed uh, or lost, okay. and then and then the new Justice League springs up, which is the the comedy one. Zatanna is kind of. I think she goes back to the um, stage ma- stage magician. Okay, fishnets. She she look. didn't have that when uh, around that time. The only thing I ever read was the New Teen Titan, and she was in there once. She where, had her own miniseries during this time, okay. where she was in the magician. But she uh, could dress. Oh, but I mean, she could say, you know, aliens go home backwards, and everybody would go home. Well, maybe. maybe. I think at that I time, know. her magic was, you know, closer to just. Well, I'm feeling weather that, effects. I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling that in this time, all everybody's powers because of Wally, maybe with the Flash. There was something going on with the powers. They right? depowered people after Crisis because I think one of the things that they identified as a problem. For writers and for fans, yeah, Superman was too powerful. Yeah, or their reputation was that they were too powerful. So Wally West clearly less powerful and fast yeah, yeah. than um, Barry Allen. Yeah, Superman was by far the, the John Byrne Superman was much weaker than the other. Yeah, than, than the past Superman. And, and uh, this is the case in this. You know, That's where we are. I'm, I'm thinking. So yeah, and even the Spectre is less powerful than he was. Spectre is basically a messenger now. He's although he does look cool, he looks sinister. Well, he's got a huge cape and. This is a uh, Todd McFarlane. This is very Tommy. McFarlane. Yeah. This is very McFarlane. Uh, feet are all weird. Yeah. Or but just, uh, face just in darkness. And, yeah. And yeah. you know what? It's it kind of fits. I mean, it's it's still the Spectre. He's still the the, the spirit of vengeance. And I don't know why he's uh, all of a sudden a messenger in this. But it's, I mean, it's three pages of the Spectre yeah. doing this, being told this. And it seems like a an epilogue here. Yeah, well, not an epilogue, but a um, just a parenthesis. I'm 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 wondering why this isn't in the uh, in the Spectre comic book. Yeah, and that'd be enough. I uh, yeah, because it's not. It's just basically telling us magic will not be a part of it. Where are all the magicians? You know, I don't know if I was asking that question. I was probably asking that question. I I always do that. Well, these pages are for you. Well, yeah, they were. <laughs> they were. Okay, so then, back to Australia. In Canberra, Australia, the Yokarans have raided the Justice League International Embassy. Yes, and they caught the mighty Tasmanian Devil. Ah, uh, the Tasmanian Devil. I don't know at this point, but this is one of DC's few gay superheroes. From oh, the era. Yeah. I, I do not know the Tasmanian Devil. Well, he was one of the Global Guardians. This team that wasn't necessarily in the DC Universe, because okay. they only really appeared in the Super Friends comic. Basically, that's one superhero from each, each place, country, and they, yeah. they so defend they, the globe. Right, but many of them, uh, after the um, after Justice League International, they picked many of them. You know, Fire okay. and Ice were yeah. used to be the Green Flame and Ice Maiden from the Global Guardians. Oh, okay. So you get characters like that. So now, for sure... Sure, the Global Guardians are in the DC Universe. And you know what? I like to see, like, this guardian of an entire... I don't know. Like, I like to see Canadian... Because I'm Canadian, so I like to see Canadian superheroes. Right. So, Uh, if you're an Australian, you don't have very many superheroes. Apparently, it's the lowest incidence. Lowest incidence. But Tasmanian Devil, Taz, is one of these... And he uh, was gay. And he was gay. I don't think he was gay quite yet, or uh, in one version of events... Well, that's uh, he, he will be gay. That's fine with me. Okay, he's really a double minority. He's a Australian superhero, and, <laughs> which and is rare. A gay man. He's also gay. So, but I mean, they could for for a gay man, his suit really sucks. A big white tee on a dark brown suit with yeah. no face. Really, come it's on, it's like sort of an animal man. Uh, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's like a werewolf. 
I don't know what he looks like. I, I'd like to say he looks like a Catman, but he's not Catman and kind of feels like Batman or... I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think it's all over the place. He's a minor character in what, any case. What does he do anyways? Uh, do we know? Well, he's got animal-like Oh, really? And, oh, really? That's yeah. what we're... He's, a, he's, he's got the proportional strength of a Tasmanian devil. So so he goes... <laughs> and he, he spins. Okay. I wish he would. Oh, man. I'm sure that, that would have been a problem. They they capture Tasmanian devil. Yep. Uh, and they're surprised to find the uh, JLI transporter technology in the building. So they hope oh, humanity has a technology we didn't know they had. Actually, yeah. that That's kind of a pivotal scene there. That's That could be important. But Taz didn't have a chance to call the other Justice Leaguers. The... You know, the transporters need to warm up yep. before you use them. And I guess they're never on because nothing ever happens in Australia. Why would there be a problem in Australia? Yeah. So he couldn't call any friends. He couldn't call any backup at that point. In Belrave Prison, Louisiana, uh, Amanda Waller gets a call from Maxwell Lord. Yeah, that was kind of a fun little thing. Because uh, yeah. my, my relationship with Amanda Waller and Max Lord are... are Poker are, buddies. Well, well, you know what? <laughs> Your relationship with Max and Amanda. I, I, I don't know them from this era. Okay. And this is it was this is kind of fun because I didn't. They're basically the same characters. Uh, only Max becomes you know he in in my time from where I uh, read on he's a natural metahuman right uh, who Not doesn't here. use yeah. his powers. Not here apparently. No. Uh, but here is uh, here is the mastermind behind the Justice League. Uh, he's like a PR genius. Yeah, and he restarts the Justice League, manipulates the Justice League. Okay, for and so he's he's kind of this. He's not sinister because this Justice League was a a comedy book. It's okay. not really sinister, but there's a mystery about him, and you wonder like who is this jackass? Why yeah. does he have so much power over the Justice League? Can they trust him? That's really the gist of the okay. early. He's a manipulator. And Amanda, also a manipulator. Well, yeah. You're right. They're very similar. This is from the, the, the like the very best era of the Suicide Squad. The first, yeah. the first four years, five which, years. Which of, I will of read Squad. more because I know you're oh. a big fan of the Suicide it's Squad since still forever. Readable. It's still readable today. It's and one of the best series DC ever put out. There, there's going to have a movie coming out, right. which will you will probably hate, but uh, possibly, maybe, maybe it's possible. You could be, you could be pleasantly surprised. It's I don't too know. early to judge. But uh, from what I've read. From the Suicide Squad from that time, it's an awesome book, and I will read some more. Yeah. That and Swamp Thing. I'm I'm on board with these two. Uh, awesome. But I'm, I'm glad I saw Amanda the Wall Waller here. Yeah, because she's, uh, she's not the petite Waller from the no, TV no, no. show. She's uh, a big woman with a big ego and right. big words. She's tough as nails. She's she's the one that tells supervillains what to do and puts them in their place. And exactly. She's, you know, she's, she's the warden. You know, she she no. doesn't have the power to back up any of that except. Force of personality. Exactly. Uh, and that's why I love Amanda Waller. It's huge. And here she's being told by Maxwell Lord on behalf of the president. So Max Max has got his <laughs> fingers and, and a lot of pies. Oh yeah, he's everywhere. Uh, and that she's forbidden to send the Suicide Squad to Australia. She was all set. She was you she know, was she was set. sending Captain Boomerang to his death. I mean, <laughs> to, to come up. <laughs> and she know. was probably thinking, finally. Yeah, well, finally yeah. this Aussie. At this point, Three years in, probably two years in. Uh, There's only so much Captain Boomerang you can handle. And well, yeah, she she hates Boomer from from Who getting likes the get him? Nobody likes him. Well, his kid doesn't like him. I like him as a well, Suicide yeah. Squad member, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, he's a jerk, and <laughs> he's the jerk. Yeah, and at well, and Maxwell Lord gives him a run for his money. Yeah, here. actually, yeah, and he, yeah. he says, "Well, the president says you can't go." She's, she's very angry, and we're not even sure if she's going to obey these orders. No, actually, from this scene, you probably think she's not. Yeah, and I think Max 
also things she might not. Yeah. There's the next scene where at the JLI Embassy in New York, uh, he's talking with the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, John Jones is there, and actually John asks him, why aren't we doing anything? Yeah, and apparently the president, who's uh, would be Ronald Reagan at this point, because yeah. they call him a uh, lame duck. He's a lame duck president anyway, so like Amanda might not <laughs> play ball, because in any case, the president's on his way out. Yeah. This would be occurring after the election kind of thing. or yeah. uh, so, so if it came out in October, then they might say, by the time invasion wraps up, you yeah. know, we'll have changed presidents. The other president will have been... It's a fun thing to think that... Bush they, Bush Sr. will have come yeah. <laughs> but know, it's gone a, to office. It's a, it's a fun thing to, to think that they actually think about this stuff. You know, who's president? How how would they react to the right. current well, president? And it's interesting that Keith Giffen and Bill Mantlow here would actually cover this because it's normal uh, for Amanda Waller uh, uh, to to live in our world, in our yeah. politics. This was... You know, this this was in the Suicide Squad comic. It was very political, and he dealt with politics. But in the Invasion crossover, not written by the same people, not John Estrander here. Yeah, they didn't have to touch that, but they're really going to find yeah. the thing that makes that makes Amanda Waller Amanda Waller. So yeah. she lives in a political world. She would do this for political reasons. She would have political cover. Exactly. So they're they're doing that here, which I which I really like. And sorry, Mr. Reagan. So and apparently the president wants Earth wants Earth's heroes to be made ready and be put under the Justice League banner and the, yeah. the branding. So that's why Maxwell Lord is involved. So that so that you could you could sort of say well everybody that's in the ju- draft everyone to the Justice League and that's our fighting unit I yeah think that's that's that'll be our army yeah the global army might be how they're gonna but we don't want to do anything now to jeopardize that so don't don't yeah. send anyone we want to just coordinate a single effort which yeah. may or may not be uh, a good idea it seems to be taking too much time if, yeah. if we look at it from uh, the Martian Manhunter's perspective. Or the Australians. Or the Australians. Well, you can kind of wipe them out there. They don't have much to say. But you, you feel an urgency here. Yeah. Something has to go. And then, because the next page, I mean, it's already, it already feels like we've lost. Uh, the Dominion broadcast its message to the world. Surrender your superheroes. Oh, so are, are they going to be rounded up to be an army? Or are they going to be rounded up to be sent? We don't know here. Yeah. What, what is Reagan playing at? Uh, but the Dominion uh, says, surrender your superheroes or die as a planet. So the United Nations mull it over. And, I mean, this whole thing over here really is uh, very Nazi-like. Nazi, you've got the um, the fist holding... Yeah, a fist with three bolts. fingers, by the way, which is uh, very alien. Yeah, yeah, it's an alien. You see there's a claw. It's like a quint hand, probably. Yeah. That, this could be a quint symbol. I think it shock probably troops. And there's, like, these little planets and moons all around it, part of the logo. So the United Nations, which are the only global government in quotation yeah. marks, they they're talking about it. Do we do it? And I find there's a lot more people, uh, ambassadors here, going to bat for their heroes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, much more than I thought there would be. Yeah, I, I would have thought a lot of countries don't have superheroes, or they have the one global guardians, and just yeah. give that guy up. Yeah, give the Little Mermaid up. That marks <laughs> one global guardian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, give Fleur the lead. Yeah, Kenya's going. Give him uh, Impala. <laughs> we don't care about Impala. <laughs> He's not that fast anyways. <laughs> you know, he kind of jumps around. That's all he does. We don't really have the kind of crime 
a superhero goes after. There are no supervillains. But also, how would this really work? Give us your superheroes, but really, don't you want our supervillains as well? Everyone with a metagene. You know, we've got to give up a lot. So it's not really practical. But they do ask for the vote. We don't see the vote. We only see the asking of the vote. And then it's cut to the Daily Planet, where we're going to learn what the vote is through uh, a conversation between Jimmy Olsen looking like a five-year-old. Like a five-year-old Archie, actually. I think it's like little Archie. Little it's, Archie yeah. is in Perry White's office. <laughs> little Archie is talking with a smoking guy. And we find out what the United Nations resolution is yep. through a big kerpow moment, the last page, which is just the um, newspaper headline. The whole yep. front of the Daily Planet is just these words, no pictures, uh, and it's Earth to Invaders, Drop Dead. World gears up for war. Story begins on page two, which does not exist on this thing. No, we will have to go to the next... Actually, the next episode, we'll be looking at this Daily Planet Extra. Yeah. The actually published, like, a fake newspaper. Fake? I started reading it. It's, okay. it's pretty fun. I, I like it. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's got comic strips. It's got everything. So, yeah. um, uh, I haven't actually looked at it yet, but um, it, it's a fun idea to... But it's really this newspaper, so it yeah. g- connects right into this issue. And this kind of gives me the chills, really. Like, well, reading it right now? Well, yeah. I've got a... Because mm, no. basically we said, we're saying, nope, we're going to war. So uh, the message is clear, drop dead. <laughs> Nobody's mincing words yeah. over here. <laughs> Earth says, <laughs> screw you. Every Earth diplomat says, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. There's nothing here for... Yeah. It's, it's great. Unequivocal. It's great. So... I guess Earth believes they've got the superheroes. Well, you know what? You know, with, with all the superpowered might we have, they've defeated alien invasions before. Yeah, this is not the first invasion. It's the first big concerted invasion. You know, it's not just yeah. one alien species. But we've had invasions before. Yeah, exactly. And the superheroes have taken care I mean, you can't just throw Green Lantern at these guys. But you could throw the whole Justice League at these guys. And I think, you know, eh, you got a 50-50 chance. So every superhero, and probably villains are going to jump into this also. Well, we've got Amanda Waller to take care of that because yeah. she, she runs a Suicide Squad. But she, I, can, she can force villains on board. I haven't read any of the, uh, of the rest of this, and I can't wait to jump into it. Yeah, it, it's actually going to be a little... After the first issue of Invasion, you can't. We're not going to read Invasion number two for weeks. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Battleground Earth is weeks away. I know. This is this would be killing me. Yeah, because it's going to be the Invasion First Strike banner will be on a, a number of comics. Uh, it even tells us here in the inside back cover, so we can look forward to the war begins this month in Checkmate number eleven. I'm not going to read all the numbers, but Checkmate, Firestorm, Nuclear Man, Flash, Justice League International, Manhunter, Wonder Woman, Superman, Adventures of Superman, Animal Man, Doom Patrol, Power of the Atom, Starman, Swamp Thing, Captain Atom, Detective Comics, The New Guardians, The New Guardians, The New Guardians, and Spectre. So all these stories, like the, the month where you know the reaction to this. In, in Earth Invaders Drop Dead yeah. That first strike uh, By uh, Alien Invaders That's taken care of By the different Superheroes In those issues And each of those Issues Including the Daily Planet Extra Will be featured In a, their own Episode of First Strike There we go that's We're going to be Reading a lot of comics And this is going to be A fun ride And we hope you'll Stay with us Any thoughts on the Issue as a whole I mean we We picked it apart But as As a whole As a whole I thought Oh my god We're in trouble <laughs> <laughs> because it's overwhelmingly uh, the narrative is all from the evil 
perspective. Right, we're right. always so with them. We're always with them. We always we see their guns. We see what they have. They see the preparation. They see what they do. We see what they want to do. That's one uh, of the things we don't see a lot of what I would call name heroes. No, uh, all the, all the people who have their own books yeah. are not in this issue. No, no. The only guy we we, we see is uh, Adam Strange. Really, Adam Strange. Um, I mean, Tasmanian Devil hardly counts. Uh, I don't think he does. Uh, Vril and Garen are, aren't we don't, characters yet. We don't know them yet. So basically, it's Adam Strange. Who knows? From this, yeah. everything hinges on Adam Strange, Snapper Car. The snapper <laughs> I mean, car. Are, these are the. Th- I don't even know if we're going to see him again. I don't know. I, 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 but I know we know the Spectre is kind of involved. Oh yeah, the Spectre is in it. We've had the rumblings and the the, the foreshadowing. Yeah, the Spectre, from, Martian Manhunter. I mean, yeah, everybody's kind of gearing up for it. But you know, Martian Manhunter, he's a team player, right? So he's not going to say to anybody, "Screw you guys." The Justice League, we're going in. He's and waiting. he's an alien. That's that's an interesting. Like, why use the Martian Manager at all? Yeah, he's really. an alien. Really. You know, he's um, he's a naturalized alien. It's interesting that he's here and he's going to defend our planet. Well, yeah, he's an adopted child of you know. Yeah, like Benny. Yeah, yeah, like, like many superheroes. Like Superman's probably saying yeah. the same thing. Saying, well, oh yeah, I'm, the Omega Men are in it. <laughs> I just but, realized. Oh yeah, the Omega oh Man. yeah. Well, we don't. We don't, I don't know really the Omega Man. No, and, and for, I mean you get chumped. From what I've seen, they don't really matter in this. Yeah, that's it. I'm like I remember a lot of the details, obviously, but not that many. I didn't make a point of you know let's 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 flip through the whole series. Ah, yeah, oh, yeah. No, no. I'm just I'm gonna play it like you are, basically yeah. reading it as we go. And so, what happens with the Omega Men? I don't how do know. they become important? I'm not sure. I, I think maybe uh, I think they're kind of in there because. All you know, the cosmic heroes. Exactly, and these guys used to work on that, and, you know, and yeah, you want you want your little, you know, your little darlings to be in the big story. I get it. It kind of feels like that. I don't yeah. know if they're going to have that a... That was one of the things I didn't like about Crisis was that the characters he created for Crisis, that were actual Crisis characters, really, who cares about the Monitor, Harbinger, Pariah... Oh, my God. Luthor 4. I mean, those yeah, were the exactly. Ca- Lady Quark. I mean, those were characters that were created for Crisis... <laughs> So, and after Crisis, it was very difficult to ever use them again. Yeah, yeah. We kind of see them in other crises. Yeah. But... Pariah's no, crying somewhere in the corner. Yeah, Pariah's always crying. So yeah. here, the the Invasion characters are the cosmic characters. Yeah. And in Invasion itself, at least the first issue, those are the characters that get some play. But Earth's heroes aren't in it. Yeah, we're looking at it from the villain's perspective. All so it time. feels more hopeless. It, it does. It does feel hopeless. You know, you're getting to care about their relationships between the alliances. Yeah. And that's what you care about. And, and you know what? I mean, they, they took care of uh, Swamp Thing early on, and they took care of the magic users early on. Yeah. And and it's kind of a surprise when the Daxamites all of a sudden become Superman. You say, oh yeah, they just took care of Superman right here. Also, all the Superman yeah, family. Yeah, they've got six they, Supermen. Exactly. Beat I mean, up Superman. What is Superman and Supergirl and Power Girls going to do uh, against a bunch of Daxamites? There is no Supergirl. So, oh, there's no Supergirl in this. Yeah, she's dead. She's been crisis out. She's been crisis out. Unless she's Matrix. I think she's Matrix at this point. Is she? I, I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. I'm not I, sure. We're at the two-year mark. We'll see when we hit the Superman books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... I mean, they took care of Superman. I'm thinking we're we're kind of in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, I can't wait to see how. I'm, I'm thinking now we've seen the whole plan, the armada, the weapons, the plan from the alien invasion perspective. We're probably going to see what we're doing on our front. 
the well, the next one's called Battleground Earth, so we can expect war to really break out. Yeah. But in the first strike extras, um, that's where each but, hero will like uh, start. Um, exactly, but you know what? Uh, the next issues. I mean, the big poster thing. It's fun and everything, but you know what? Uh, from the poster, you know, we see the issues. The name of the issues: Alien Alliance, Battleground Earth, and then World Without Heroes. And you know, right now I'm not very hopeful. Uh, it's built to scare us. It's it, well, it does. It well, does. you want your crossover event to have meaning, yeah, and to be desperate. Well, it, it does feel like desperate times. There has to be a reason for all the heroes to come together. That this is one invasion that can't just be fixed by Superman. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's what we're getting. So exciting times ahead. Exciting times ahead. Because that's it for now. We've, We've touched. I mean, it's a big issue, but other issues will be shorter, obviously. Yeah. But these tentpole books well, th- will I mean, take this a lot of time. A, it's an eighty-page giant issue, I right? Mean, you with can't. a lot of it's dense. It's very dense. It's a lot of reading in from there. one page to the other. We keep switching places, uh, and it's all very interesting. So, uh, Bass, why don't you tell people how they can find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on the internet. I'm part of the Lonely Hearts uh, Romance Comic Podcast. Is that is that how I say it? That's how you say it. That's Lonely how Hearts, I LonelyHeartsPodcast.wordpress.com yeah, to find all the episodes. That's where we uh, read um, romance comics from the late 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah, all uh, over. All over the place. Yeah. And uh, we talk about, it's a guy's perspective on romance comics. So right. it's, it's actually a lot of fun. It's pretty funny. And there are a couple other guys that join us on that. Yeah, Marty and Fern are in there also. As for me, you can obviously find me at Siskoid's blog of Geekery. Uh, you can also find me at the Legion of Super Bloggers and probably other places, as well as the Lonely Hearts, obviously. Uh, First Strike is available on iTunes. Subscribe, actually. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, Bassi. That's where that, that's when we're actually taking. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Uh, Christmas is like um, after tomorrow. After tomorrow, uh, for us. Um, and um, but of course, it's in Canada, so we have Christmas. Earlier, yeah, uh, we, have, we have triple, I, we have triple Christmas in July. I just, then. I just like to say we're from Canada because it's kind of weird, you know. Uh, you don't think there are a lot of uh, people reading comic books in Canada because we're all, you know, winter. busy surviving, busy surviving winter, but we do love them comic books. Yeah, surviving in the ashes of the invasion because this, this stuff happens. Yeah, it's happened in '88. I mean, yeah, and but we're in Canada and it all happened in Australia. So yeah, maybe it's in, like, uh, we're fine. The first strike was fine. The first- <laughs> First Strike was fine, you know. Other side of the world. Next time on First Strike, we look at the Daily Planet Extra. Episode hasn't gone on too long. I don't think so. It's uh, it's in our range. Yeah, we'll we'll take out this tamper car thing if it was too long. <laughs>